0: Hello, and welcome to the Her and Him Podcast. I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. And when two theologians get married,
1: what you get
0: is, is a podcast. A podcast.
1: I think we were a little more in sync last episode. We'll work on it.
0: Okay. Yeah, you're just kind of, we didn't rehearse this. You just kind of keep throwing at me. And you do a unison part on different parts each time.
1: Oh, well, the element of surprise. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> just keeping it <laughs>
0: interesting.
1: I just don't want our listeners to be bored.
0: Okay. Well. So
1: I don't want them to think we aren't recording the intro every time. I want them to know we are fully oh, because invested.
0: I have such a good radio voice that it sounds precise every time.
1: Yeah. So a lot of people have told me that Dill has a radio voice. They had and, nothing to
0: say about the content of the podcast. They or say, about me. Just my They're voice. They are like,
1: hey, your husband. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy. He has a radio voice. I was like, oh, okay. So did you like the podcast? Or like, did so, you... Oh, no,
0: I gave it one star yeah. on iTunes. But <laughs> exactly. You sounded really good.
1: <laughs> he sounds like he should be on the radio. Because we're certainly pushing for that, right? Like, you want to be a radio host one day?
0: Exactly. I want. I feel like now is the time to move into radio. Yeah. It is in no way a dying industry. It's not. But you know, today is a special day.
1: Because
0: I'm one day closer to death, like the radio industry.
1: Today is Dale's birthday?
0: It's my thirtieth birthday. Well, by
1: happy the time. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! Happy birthday! Happy birthday! Oh gosh, it's da, so, it's da, so da, gone. Okay, sorry. <laughs> it's done.
0: It's actually, it's not my birthday. For the people who are listening, it's no. like two or three weeks past my birthday from the time of this recording. So I wonder what kind of person I will have been amassing that much more experience beyond my 30th
1: What are you even saying? I don't don't even know know where you're going. Okay, Okay, so you're 30 years old today.
0: I am. We went out to dinner. It was delightful, and I still stayed on my macros, which, if that isn't being 30, I don't know what is.
1: So, maybe everyone doesn't know what macros is.
0: Nah, Google it.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like you just dropped in a foreign word. Anyways, so we went to dinner. It was great, but... Are you having any sort
0: of a crisis about turning 30? No, strangely enough, I'm not having a a crisis about turning 30. And I feel like I know a lot of things now at age 30 that I didn't know a decade ago. I and hope so. Yeah. I think one of those things is that I'm amazing. Uh yes. But also <laughs> that by the age of 30, you you do have way more existential crises than I had been led to believe. Like I knew like you typically have one at midlife. Where you say like, oh, wow, my life is half over and that causes an existential crisis. Can you buy a Harley. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. Uh, and I know you sometimes get one when you retire. You think like, oh, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Mm. Existential crisis. But I didn't know that you also have like two to six more existential crises before you even hit 30. And then for some people, they get one when they turn 30. Maybe that's still coming. The year is young. My 30th year is young. It is. So we'll see. And I feel like regardless of what existential crisis you're in, whether it's at midlife, whether it's at retirement, whether it's when you're going into college, whether it's you hit 25 or you hit 30, it all seems to revolve around kind of the same question. And it's like, what am I supposed to do with my life? Like, what is my purpose? Am I living my purpose? Like, what is the reason for which God put me on this earth? And am I currently doing that or am I on the path to doing that? I don't even know what that is. And so that's what causes many existential crises. 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 Crises.
1: Crises. Yeah. I have talked to many people who are still questioning what am I doing with my life? I remember being in high school and early years of college where that was the number one question. What are you doing with your life? You were asking yourself that. Everyone around you was asking you that. They're asking you that when you're applying for college because they want to know what major you're going to do. And you're like, I have no idea.
0: Yeah. You're like, I'm 17. I just want to go to the movies in the mall. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do for the next 40 years.
1: Yeah. And I thought that question stopped at, you know, your early 20s, but The more people I talk to, the more I realize we are still asking that question. And Dale, I think for you, it was a little bit different because you had a really clear understanding of what you uh, were called to. And of course, that word being called is certainly something we like to use in the Christian world a lot. Like, what am I being called to do?
0: Especially when we like to decline someone asking us to serve in a particular ministry. Oh yeah. I'm not feeling I'm not I'm not feeling called to do that. I'm not feeling led to do that right now. Yeah.
1: But when you were in your early, you know, like 20s, did you struggle with that? Did you struggle with wondering what it was that you were supposed to do? I feel like you had a different experience than most of us.
0: Yeah, maybe I struggled with it a little bit less than most because I felt like I had a fairly clear sense of direction from the time I was in college, maybe 18, 19 years old, I knew that I wanted to do something in terms of ministry, helping people understand life and faith and the Bible. And um, that was something that I've been passionate about since that moment forward. I think my existential crises have come in the midst of not knowing what that's supposed to look like in intermediary steps. Mm-hmm. Like, what does that look like in terms of a job position? What does that look like in terms of how I'm spending my time? You know, what opportunities I'm taking versus not taking? I think that's where I felt a lot of the tension. Not so much in the the sense of what I want to do in terms of the macro of it, but in terms of the, the micro decisions or the transition points. I think that's more um, where my crises have come. And maybe that's similar for some people. You know you're going in a certain direction. Um, Or maybe your crisis is, I don't even know what direction to go to. Maybe the rest
1: of us are like, I have absolutely no idea. And I think this question is born out of a good intent. And it's born out of this understanding that we have a high view of God and of his sovereignty. And so you know that he has a plan for you. And you want to be in line with that plan, and so it feels like we're desperately searching for what is that plan, and also, like you only have one life, so unless you you're want a cat,
0: to... then you get nine,
1: right? But we're not. So I've heard we're not cats. So I'm really Maybe happy. Maybe you're not. What is happening? <laughs> I'm really happy. We're clarifying that we are not. I am not a cat. Oh, this
0: is, <laughs> remember this is just
1: getting really. Weird. Remember
0: that Zoom video where it was like. Uh, it was like these lawyers that were coming before a judge but it was on a zoom meeting and it was this older lawyer oh yes and he had like the cat filter on and so it was like literally just like his eyes on a cat and he was and like he, did, he didn't uh, know uh, how w- w- to turn it uh, off we we can move forward I, I i'm here live i'm not a cat <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a point of clarification a lot of times in legal situations to yes. clarify whether or not you are a cat
1: okay well clarification. But for
0: us non-cats, we only have one life.
1: Yes. Thank you. Thank you for bringing me back to where I was. So we only have one life and we want to use it and do what God has called us to do with it. So you certainly don't want to waste it and you want to steward it well. So I don't think the question of what am I supposed to be doing or what is my purpose or what's my calling? uh, I don't think those are pointless questions to ask. I, I think... Those are good things to be asking and we have a good heart behind them. But a lot of the times people are far more anxious about figuring out what feels like a puzzle and they have no idea how to begin to solve it. And so they're just filled with a greater sense of anxiety because we don't want to get it wrong and we don't want to look back and think, wow, I just spent the last 50 years doing this and that's not at all what I was supposed to be doing. So it leads us to just great anxiety, and that's what we want to talk about today. How can Anxiety. No, not anxiety. (laughs) How can I know what God's calling is on my life? And as we usually do around here, we want to look at the Bible. I feel like we always do that. I mean, that's the hope, right?
0: Right. I mean, it is the hope.
1: If we don't, dang it, we're getting it wrong. Anyways, we are going to look to the Bible in order to help find some answers to this question.
0: Do you want the good news or the bad news first?
1: Let's do bad news.
0: Bad news is the Bible doesn't have a lot to say about this specific question in the the terms that we typically frame it. Right. And the reason for that is it's kind of a modern problem. Mm -hmm. In ancient times or in pre-modern times, this wasn't really a question that they struggled with as much as we do. And really the way that we struggle with, like, what should I do? with my life, who should I marry? How can I know if I'm finding the one, how can I know if I'm finding the one career path that God wants me on? How can I know that I'm finding, you know, the one person that I'm supposed to marry that since before the foundation of the world, God pre-appointed that I would mm. meet this person and that we would get married and that I would have this job and that we would move to this city and we would oh. have this number of children. Like we, like we have anxiety over that, but yeah. that's really something that hasn't, been a problem for people up until like the 19th 20th 21st century Uh, and there's a number of reasons for that and one is that in ancient and pre-modern contexts they were a lot more concerned with just like surviving than with like matters of existence beyond like sustenance and their communities surviving and um one way to illustrate this is in psychology there's this concept called Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and it's visualized in like this pyramid uh, with some of those more basic needs at the bottom and some of those more complex kind of um, self-actualization needs more towards the top. And so, from the bottom to the top, it kind of goes from physiological needs like food, water, like you need
1: the very basic, the very right. basic
0: things to survive. Then up above that is safety needs, like. Am I in a secure environment? Is my home secure from outside intruders? Am I in an environment in a community where uh, we're not going to get invaded by an enemy force? So there's safety needs. Uh, and then you go above that, this, uh, needs for love and belonging, kind of a sense of community, a sense of family, and those kinds of relationships. Above that is kind of like esteem. How well do people in my community see me? What is my reputation? What kind of self-esteem do I have that's a need? And then up at the top is self-actualization, which is like, what is my purpose? What is the fulfillment of who I was created to be and really stepping into that in a really philosophical way? That's kind of up at the top of the pyramid. And so really, uh, we're in a real place of privilege that we're thinking about the things up at the higher ends of that pyramid when in generations past, they were more focused on those lower ends like physiological needs and safety and even like love and belonging um, within the context of a community where we kind of have this privilege now to have anxiety Mm. about things that uh, people in generations past didn't even have the energy to think about.
1: Right, because they spent their whole lives working on meeting those very basic needs that there was absolutely no space to move past the basic needs because that was taking up their whole life.
0: Right. And we live in in a uh, society of such relative wealth. Not everyone's wealthy by, you know, whatever standard you want to use. But we, by and large, most of us who are listening to this podcast have those bottom needs are more or less a given like food, water, shelter, even love and belonging to a certain Mm -hmm. extent. Like those are a given. And when those are given, then we start to think about kind of those higher things like, what am I supposed to be, you know, kind of questions. I think another reason why we struggle with this so much, uh, as opposed to pre-modern and ancient contexts, is just that we have such a context not only of wealth and security, but also of freedom. And think about ancient times, like if you're, if your father was a carpenter, you're a carpenter. If your father was Mm -hmm. a blacksmith, you're a blacksmith. Yeah. If your father is a farmer, you're a farmer. And that's if you're a man. And if you're a woman, then you're going to get married and have kids. And like, that's just.
1: And someone else is deciding that for you.
0: Yes. As well. And even marriages were Mm -hmm. prearranged by parents within a network of families. And so a lot of that was predetermined for you. And so you just stepped into it and you didn't have a lot of freedom in it. But the thing that, about having freedom is that the freedom comes with responsibility and responsibility often brings anxiety.
1: Yeah. And so like Dale said, the Bible doesn't have a lot to say about this specific topic because it was not something that the original audience was dealing with. And again, this is something that's pretty modern and there are a lot of people in other countries that don't have the luxury to ask these types of questions because they still might be in functioning within some of those models of just trying to figure out what they're going to eat for the day or where they're, where they're going to stay, or they don't even have an option of what it is that they're going to do career wise because it's already ingrained within their society of what they're going to be doing. So Though we can't look to scripture in this way specifically, we can look to it for some guiding principles or guardrails of how do we understand this concept of living your life intentionally for God and living it according to the purpose that he's given us.
0: Right. Because just because we're in a unique situation in the 21st century with regard to having these anxieties that are relatively new in the the in the grand scheme of of history of humanity, the struggles are no less real. And so we want to glean what we can from scripture to figure out how do we use this freedom and wealth that we have to fulfill our purpose and also to find peace in the fact that we know we're going in the right direction. So I think there's a couple key passages that we can look to that will really help us in that.
1: Yeah, and the first one we want to look at is going to be Matthew 26, verse 37 to 40. And... This helps give us a sense of what purpose is, and it's actually something that Jesus gave to us. And so people had come up and asked him, what is the greatest commandment? And so you're probably pretty familiar with this verse, but we think that it really helps to set some guardrails when asking this question. So Jesus had replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So part of our purpose as we're trying to figure it out is it, it needs to fall within these commands. Your purpose is supposed to be to love God and to love others. And so whatever you're doing with your life, it should move towards fulfilling those commandments. And so I know that leaves the options really wide, because there's a lot of things that you can do in life that are going to move towards the direction of loving God and move to the towards the direction of loving people. So if you're doing something that doesn't involve either one of those, then you are very likely on the wrong path.
0: Right. I think another good one is Micah 6, 8. It says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And so those are kind of our guidelines. Love God, love people, do justice, love mercy, walk humbly. Those are really kind of like the ways that you're going to live your purpose. Those are the ways that you're going to know that you are stepping into the purpose that God has created you for. And maybe you feel like that's a little broad, and it (laughs) seems like there's not a lot of narrowing down of... Maybe the particular questions that you have, but I think you can gain a lot of peace from that Mm. in, in that if you are walking on the path of love, of justice, of goodness, then you're on a path that's a good path. And maybe depending on the factors in your life, you need to alter course at some point. And make wise decisions and seek counsel and maybe wrestle with some things. But if you are heading on that kind of a path where you love God and love others, then you're headed in a direction that isn't against the will of God.
1: Mm, Yeah. And I think something else to just give us peace of mind as we're feeling maybe like these verses didn't help narrow anything down. They kind of left left things as open-ended as they already were in your mind is that we can trust that God is going to take care of the details in the midst of that. And one of the verses that is just a really good reminder of that is Proverbs 16:9 says the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And so you can begin to plan and that's not bad that you're planning, but You can take security in knowing that God will continue to align your steps and move your plans according to his will. So if your plans are just completely off, like he's not going to just keep letting you walk in that direction when you're genuinely seeking to find his will. So it's not a guessing game. Like that just doesn't follow scripture. That doesn't line up with what we know to be true of God and what we see from Old Testament to New Testament, the way that he cares for his people, the way that he continues to draw them closer to him. And he even says, if you seek me, you will find me. And so if you are genuinely desiring to walk in his will, then you don't really have a whole lot to worry about because he's going to continue to work through those details and it's not that you have to play a guessing game to figure out what God wants.
0: Right. And I think, you, another comfort is that even though this is a relatively modern phenomenon and that we're having this kind of crisis about this, uh, there has been a lot of theological work that's been done in the past of others who have had Existential crises, and have wrestled with this issues, and and one of those is going back all the way to the Reformation, and uh, Martin Luther actually wrote a lot on this topic of calling and vocation, and you know Martin Luther was a man who enjoyed a good existential crisis. He, you know, he ate existential crises for breakfast, and so he wrote a lot about this topic, and he talks about calling and vocation. And just point of clarification on those, sometimes people make uh, a distinction between those two terms. Uh, calling comes from a Greek word that means calling. And vocation comes from a Latin word that means calling. So when I say vocation and I see, say calling, really those are this, the same words. Uh, one is just coming from the Greek, the other one's coming from the Latin. And so there's no real difference between those terms. But according to Luther, your your vocation or your calling It's something that is meant to serve others. Like that is the calling that God has given you. Mm -hmm. And that is a calling that you could not live up to because of your sinfulness. But that is a calling that Jesus is redeeming from within you. And so whatever you do in your life, it is to serve the good of others. And the way that he kind of frames it, he says, you can take up an office in society that serves the good of others. And it doesn't matter what that office is, only that it isn't something that's inherently sinful and that it contributes to the flourishing of society and of other people. And really in in Martin Luther's theology, and this kind of thinking more broadly about uh, his theological system, like you don't work for the good of others in order to merit favor with God. And I think that's where a lot of us get anxiety. Hmm. We're working for a purpose we know we're supposed to make some kind of impact. We know we're supposed to do some kind of something. Because we want to earn God's favor. We want to make sure that we don't waste our life. But we also want to make sure that like God is like saying, like, Well done, good and faithful servant. Like we mm-hmm. want to hear that. But what Luther says is that you you don't do good works to that end. Rather, you work from the place of grace because the goodness of God's grace has cancelled your moral debt. And it's only through his grace that you have the ability to truly be generous and for the good of others. Because if you are working to earn favor with God, then you're working from a place of a moral deficit. Mm. But if you're working from a place of grace, meaning that your, your moral deficit, your guilt has been erased— then it's only from that place within the grace of Jesus that you now have the ability to actually serve the good of others with a pure intent and a pure heart. And so really, it's only through Jesus that we can actually live up to our purpose and our calling and our vocation in the way that he intended for us to do. Not focused on ourselves, but focusing on serving others.
1: And I think that might be a bit of a shift in the way that we ask this question, because oftentimes we fall prey to asking this question, like, God, what is it that you have me to do? And it becomes a very self-centered question. But from this understanding of Luther's kind of description of calling and vocation, even what you are to do is in service of somebody else. And so as you're trying to figure that out, it really isn't so much about you as it is about other people. And we can see God use that by, you know, your gifts and your passions and your talents and your strengths. Like out of those places, you'll be able to best serve somebody else. But at the end of the day, it's not as self-centered and self-seeking and self-fulfilling As we often frame the question, it's a lot more about being a servant and finding the best use of your gifts and abilities and talents towards the direction of serving other people.
0: Right. Yeah. And so just to put some meat on this, really the purpose of of your good work, whether that is something you're getting paid for or something that is your calling and your vocation, uh, regardless of pay, the good works that we're talking about are something that reverse the effects of the fall, the fallenness of the world, that it brings some sort of redemptive purpose to life, uh, some sort of redemptive function that re- that reverses pain and the effects of sin in the world, and also uh, just helps us to live up to humanity's purpose of stewarding creation. And so, like a doctor works to reverse the effects of the fall by healing people. Illness, death, cancer, injury are all effects of sin on the world. And so what a doctor does is reversing the effects of the fall through medicine. Educators work to reduce the effects of the fall by educating the next generation in what is true and good so that they can you know, build a better society. Lawmakers seek to create a just society and law enforcement seeks to enforce that justice. Entrepreneurs, they seek to make goods and services that take away pain points in people's lives. And then even within that, they have accountants and project managers and marketers who are part of that machine that solves that problem. You know, whether that's a personal problem or a business problem, but they're they're kind of individuals, a part of a collective mission that is doing something that is helping humanity steward creation mm-hmm. and re- reduce pain and suffering in the world a- and the pain points that come along with just living in a fallen world. And we could go on and on and on. But you kind of get the idea that just about any job that is doing something good or helping an organization that's doing something good, even if that something good is selling a product that you know is useful to people,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that yeah. is helping us steward creation. Right. And that is helping us to reduce, reduce the effects of the fall by decreasing the amount of pain that is resulting from the fall of humanity and the sinfulness that has kind of created problems for us. And so you can be at the forefront of that, say you're the doctor, or you can be a, an admin or a medical assistant who is a part of that system that is bringing forth that good. And so really when you look at it that way – you can have a really high purpose even if you don't feel like you're in a really high position.
1: Right. And you have opportunities to live out your calling through just about any job out there. And so I, I th- mean, so
0: long as you're not selling like drugs on the street, right? Like,
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> so I think that's the
0: caveat. <laughs> but I feel like that's a given.
1: Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So you don't have to like discover your calling, but what you need to discover is how you can live your calling out because you already know your calling. Your calling is to love God and love others. Mm -hmm. And so what you're really trying to figure out is how do I do that? And the way that you do that is going to be different from the way somebody else is doing it. But you don't have to worry about fitting into one specific category as you're trying to discover it and it might look different over the course of your life it might start off in one way and just take a completely different turn somewhere along the road and that's okay
0: right yeah because you have a specific set of passions gifts skills experiences and opportunities and maybe those skills, passion, gifts, opportunities change over the course of your life. Mm-hmm. And you can utilize those to maximum effect in that season uh, of life that you're in. And that can change from season to season, from decade to decade, sometimes from year to year or you know, seemingly from moment to moment.
1: Yeah. So you can make a plan and you can move in that direction and you can lean into that and invest in that and spend all of your time there. And then you have the freedom to change courses, and that's okay. It doesn't mean that what you were doing was wrong, and now what you're about to enter into is really the right thing. It, like We don't have to pit things against one another. We can just realize like, wow, God's actually taking me into a new season, and he's allowing me to live out my calling in a different way than I did 10 years ago. Or than I did the first half of my life and the second half looks different. Or you might have the same career or passions and interests and be in the same field your whole life. There's just a lot of room, especially in our modern days, for us to live out the calling that God has given all of us.
0: Yeah. I think even you are experiencing a little bit of what it looks like to shift kind of your vision for what your calling is even just being a mom in ways that you probably didn't expect, but your perspective has changed a lot.
1: Yeah. My perspective has changed drastically. I had thought I was going to be doing something completely different by this point in my life than what I'm doing. And I thought I was going to be this like career woman that didn't want to be home with her children at all. And, that I would be working, you know, more than forty hours a week because I have always enjoyed working and I pursued an education so that way I could, you know, move into some kind of full time ministry where I was getting paid for it <laughs> versus full time ministry and not getting paid for it. But I had just seen my life being a lot different. And a lot of the times people say I thought it was going to be different as if they're disappointed about where it's at but I thought it was going to be different. And I am so happy it is where it is because God has changed my heart. God has changed what was priority in this season of my life. And I now see taking care of my kids as my calling. And I never thought, that was going to be my calling because of the way that I had understood calling before. And I think a lot of the issue with this question of what am I supposed to do with my life? What is my calling? Is we're kind of set up to think we're supposed to do this really great, big, amazing thing that we leave this crazy legacy with our life and we have made this humongous impact for the kingdom of God. and. We're told as kids, like, you might be the next Billy Graham. Like, you might be the next.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. And you think about Billy Graham. Billy Graham did the same thing for like 70 years and was incredible at it and made a worldwide impact. Yeah. Like, do something like that, but like different, this unique to you. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure.
1: Well, it's a lot of pressure. And not only that, but it seems to minimize the roles. That God is calling us to. It makes it feel like, well, that's not my calling because it's not this big, but you are calling to be a daughter. You're calling to be a mom. You're calling to be a husband or a friend or an employee at the place you're working at. Like those are ways you're able to live out your calling. And we're sitting in those places and we're thinking, this is not my calling because it's not as big as I was told it's supposed to be.
0: Hmm. And it doesn't. It feels a little bit more ordinary than I thought it would.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But in those places, you are living out what you're called to do. Because as a mom, I am learning how to love others in a way that I never knew how to love others before. I am learning how to be Patient and understanding and empathetic with a one and a half year old, who you can tell he is frazzled about something, but I have absolutely no idea what it is. He, it seems to me, like he's blowing it way out of proportion. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but in he that, does not get that from me, by the way.
1: <laughs> but in that moment, I'm learning, wow, God, I actually need to extend empathy to my 18 month old, and I need to understand that he is getting completely frustrated about his shoe not going on his foot the way he wants it to go on. And I think he's being completely ridiculous and I just want to yell at him. But in his mind, this is like a huge issue. And so I'm learning how to be empathetic towards him. And that is my calling right now. My calling is to care for these two boys who are going to one day be adults in this world. And I want them to do things for the kingdom. And that might be raising a family. And that is doing big things for the kingdom. And so we can't minimize that. And I think I minimized it for way too long. And I thought these regular, ordinary roles that we play in life are not calling, but they are. These are ways that you live out your calling. Like me being a good wife, me learning how to love my husband when he's driving me crazy.
0: (laughs) I never drive you crazy. No, never. I would never do that.
1: Or when he's stressed out and I'm stressed out and I'm thinking, why? going to make
0: dinner? We can't make <laughs> dinner when both of us are stressed out.
1: <laughs> yeah. And instead of saying, why is he not catering to me and my stress? I take that opportunity and think, Lord, how is it that I can extend your love to him and your grace and your mercy to him in, the, in this time? That is living out Jesus every day. And really, that's what we're called to do. How are we supposed to live out Jesus every day? And it is far more mundane and ordinary than the question of what am I supposed to do with my life leads us to believe. And I think that's exactly what Luther was talking about when he was writing on vocation is your calling is your whole life. It's not just what you you show up and get paid to do. To really grasp what it is that God's called us to to love God and to love others, you do that in every role you've been given, in every season you've been given, in every opportunity you've been given, and it's going to look different than what you thought it was gonna look like. And that doesn't say you can't live out your passions because you're a mom or your wife or your husband and a dad or a friend or you're at a job that doesn't exactly excite you. Like all of that is real life, guys. (laughs) You might (laughs) be listening
0: to us right now at your job that doesn't excite you.
1: (laughs) And that's real life where you might be taking courses that you don't care anything about right now or you wonder why am I still in school or why am I not in school? Like that's all just real life and each and every one of those steps is a place you are called to And it's a place you live out that calling of God. And so we have to view calling as this all encompassing whole life, ordinary mundane thing. And it doesn't mean you're falling short because you're not the next Billy Graham. It actually means you're doing exactly what God wants you to do. Love God, love others right where you are. That's your calling. End of podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of times you uh, you need to, in order to think bigger, you actually need to think smaller. Yes. Like we're asking like, what am I going to do with the next 50 years of my life? What am I going to do with the next 30 years of my life? And really what you can be asking is, what am I going to do with today? Like mm-hmm. what opportunities do I have placed in front of me? What are the the particular Gifts and skill sets and passions I bring to the table with those opportunities, maximizing those in order to love God and love others and do justice and love mercy and walk Mm -hmm. humbly. Mm. And where you continue to do that in the small areas and really focus on making the most of every opportunity placed before you to serve others and to serve Jesus. I think you begin to see trend lines of like, hey, like here's a direction that my life seems to be headed as you're faithful with the little opportunities that you have, uh, a picture, I think, will begin to form from all of the data points hmm. in a direction. And I think a lot of times when you're faithful with really small opportunities that you don't even think like are anything, uh, they lead to bigger opportunities to where now you're doing things that you don't even think you're going to have the opportunity to do. It wasn't even a thought in your mind that you're going to be doing those things or that your life would go in that direction. Uh, but because you were faithful with every situation that you've had come to you, uh, just to think small with it, to be faithful in that moment. Like uh, it, There's this phrase in baseball uh, for like an infielder where if you want to avoid making an error, the coach will always yell, ball first. Where you're, if you're at third base and you're fielding the ball and you're thinking about, okay, I'm going to field the ball and I'm going to throw it to first to get the guy out you have to think about getting the ball first. A lot of times you're thinking about the throw, Mm -hmm. that's when it goes straight through your legs. Mm -hmm. So ball first, so like in those opportunities, like don't be thinking like four steps down the line, like what is this all gonna mean? Mm -hmm. Just focus on that moment and that opportunity that you have, um, whether that's at your current job, whether that's in the classes that you don't know how they're gonna apply to your life. Whether it's just with like the relational opportunities Mm -hmm. that you have, Mm -hmm. like being faithful with those things, If you do that enough and you stay, if you start low, stay low enough in that, to use another baseball metaphor, then uh, some good things are going to happen.
1: Yeah. And you won't reach those great moments that you might have in your mind overnight. You're not going to be doing the most ordinary and mundane thing one day. And then all of a sudden you have reached the fullest potential of everything you've ever dreamt of the next day. It doesn't happen like that. It happens with you being faithful step by step by step by step and living out your calling with each step. It's not as if 10 years from now, I'm going to finally reach my calling. No, every single day you're living it. Hmm. And so if you wait to live your calling, once this certain thing happens, then you're missing it. You're missing what it is that God intends for us to be doing with our lives.
0: Yeah, it's like you're becoming who you will be in everyday situations.
1: Right, and I think a really good example, just to kind of put some flesh to what we're saying, is I never saw myself as a writer. I never dreamt of being a writer.
0: You write a lot for someone who's not a writer.
1: Yeah, and now, slowly but surely, (laughs) opportunities have come for me to write, and interestingly enough, The job position that I'm in right now, that really feels like I just kind of fell into it. It wasn't something that I had like aspired to. It wasn't even anything that I applied for originally. It just like holes kept happening in organization and I kind of kept moving into the different holes. And before you know it, my primary like day-to-day task is writing. And I have learned that I enjoy writing and I think I'm pretty decent at it. Like it, it seems as if God is revealing this gift to me in this season of life. And if it weren't for me just saying yes, when the opportunities came like, Hey, do you want to write this? Uh, yeah, sure. I don't really think I'm a writer, but okay. Uh, and then someone asking me, can you write this? And then before you know it, most of my current season of life is writing. So I would now call myself a writer and that even happened with the recent book that we had published. Mm-hmm. It was really just continuing to step into the opportunities that were placed before us, but that didn't happen overnight.
0: Right. And I even thought it was a spam email that we got from a publisher that told us they want to really <laughs> write a book.
1: Yeah. And I was like, Hey Dale, did you, did you, do you keep deleting these oh, emails? Like mail? what is yeah, happening? Sure. Cause you know like, how you get all kinds junk. of,
0: all kinds of stuff in your inbox from all kinds of people. I go delete, 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 delete.
1: So yeah, but just to kind of give you actually an example is in my own life, I've just said yes to a lot of little things. And now looking back, I'm like, wow, all of those were stepping stones to get me where I am now. And in many ways, I have learned new gifts and talents that I have and new passions. And I would say that I genuinely enjoy writing. And I would like to um, believe that it, is serving others in a lot of different ways and a lot of different roles that I'm writing in right now. But again, it didn't happen overnight. And there were some really mundane steps along the way that you just have to keep leaning into and and do them well. And you'll see God use them.
0: Yeah, and I think that takes a lot of the pressure off that you don't have to have my 40-year plan all mapped out that you can just keep taking the next step that you have. And a lot of times uh in the day to day i think that's where the crisis comes in where you think like i don't even know like where this is going like i keep doing like the mundane day to day things and i don't know if this is headed somewhere and that's okay it's okay to feel the mm. tension of that to feel like man like i don't know this is kind of a weird season where i don't really know what direction i'm going uh i think even still like reminding yourself just to be uh faithful with the opportunities that you have you can find joy in those things. And maybe that will lead to something. Uh, or or maybe you'll find that like, hey, like, I'm being really faithful in these opportunities that I have, but I have different passions over here. Maybe I can start looking for other opportunities over there. And that's a, a good time to, you know, switch gears towards something else and to explore. And really, like, it's okay to just explore, try different things, seek wisdom, and then really just look for those trend lines. And then uh, pursue after those things and I think if you do that you're going to be um, headed in a direction that is ultimately going to be fulfilling to you and it's going to be a good use of your gifts and I think it's going to be a key part of you stepping into the person that God created you to be
1: thanks for listening to the her and him podcast
0: if you enjoyed hanging out with us consider subscribing to the podcast to receive it automatically each week
1: also be sure to head over to our website her and and you can get show notes for this episode read our blogs, and other helpful resources.
0: We'd also love to hear from you, so you can email us at herandhimblog at gmail.com.
1: Thanks again, and we will see you next time. God's Word will change our life, but sometimes it's hard to know where to start. Well, that's where I come in. I'm Jody Nisnik, host of So Much More, Creating Space for God, a scripture meditation podcast. And each week, I guide you through a scripture giving you space to listen to the Spirit and pray about what's on your heart. Then we have a thoughtful conversation with guests to help us go deeper. Listen and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.